They are America's first line of defense. Best of friends. Ready, Captain. Snap of the earth. Here we go. Fierce competitors. Very nicely done. Almost as good as me. Ready to protect our nation against any threat. Carrying the nukes. You love having the power of God at your fingertips. Not tonight, buddy. But what if the enemy is one of them? The only thing more dangerous than what he knows. They believe they've got an exposed core. They gotta send in a nuclear emergency search team. By the time they find us, we'll be gone. Is what he's prepared to do. $250 million by 0900 Utah time. If you have not. Good God. I don't know what the big deal is. I really don't. But there's one thing. Smile, boys. We're about to retire. He didn't count on. I know his mind works. You gotta let me go after him. Outstanding, Hale. That's the spirit. Would you mind not shooting at the thermonuclear weapons? And what are we doing? If you enter the wrong code three times, the nuke goes dead. Unless, of course, I already thought of that ahead of time. You just activated a nuclear warhead, my friend. The clock is ticking. Care for a Coke or something? John Travolta. You lose. Christian Slater. You're out of your mind. Ain't it cool? Broken Arrow, a John Woo film. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and the other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie. We are part of the Main Damien Network. To find more from us, check out the website at themaindamien.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damien. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's going on, man? Did you ever think that we would be at the point where we have seen three John Travolta movies on this podcast? I mean, I'm surprised we haven't seen more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you guys have kind of turned my image or my 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 thought process on John Travolta completely around. Because when I growing up, I always thought Travolta was a good actor. And then you guys came along like, well, no, look at his body of work. Very mediocre. <laughs> and now that we're doing so, you know, I, I'm my eyes are finally open to the true John Travolta. We did it, Ant. We can end the podcast. <laughs> yep. We opened Dan's uh, eyes on John Travolta. <laughs> the real, the real premise behind this whole show. <laughs> Long game, man. That's incredible. Yeah. Was it? So he's oatmeal, right? Dry, plain oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was such a great analogy. Where you know you had Travolta, who was the plain boring oatmeal 
and then you had Nicolas Cage, who was just, he was like, I forget exactly, what was it? Thai food. Thai food, yes. So he was just, he's very spicy. You you didn't know what you were going to get from that. This is movie, though, is oatmeal trying to be Thai food. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 oatmeal that's kind of laced with some uh, LSD. <laughs> Maybe not even that. Maybe a little more, just like cayenne pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and too spicy. But it's it, like, it just kind of doesn't go. But I right. see what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the the scenery that's chewed in this movie. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get into this week's movie, usually here is what we talk about, what we watched this week. I think there is a specific thing that we watched this week that we wanted to touch upon as this is, we are recording this on Valentine's day in the afternoon. So Dan, why don't you tell us what you watched this week? I watched what I thought was a different movie trailer, but it seemed to be very similar. This, this little thing called uh, the Zack Snyder's justice league. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Okay. This is the movie that came out in 2017. There's yes, but they're saying it's not. Oh, okay. But I'm confused because I saw the trailer and I saw a lot of the same action sequences and a lot of the same dialogue, which kind of I had to rewind it just to make sure, hey, like someone hadn't accidentally posted the like the Comic-Con version of Justice League trailer. But no, sure enough, I saw Zack Snyder's dumb face on my on my uh, my phone. Like, oh, here's my my movie. Check it out. Were you worried when you started watching that trailer, Dan, that you were being gaslit? I had to take a step back. And I, I, I wanted to actually, in all fairness, I wanted to see what was going to be put on the trailer. Because it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is going to be completely different. And it's not completely different. The core of it is the same movie with right. just sprinkled different things in there. Mm-hmm. They might. This should have just been called Zack Snyder's Fan Service, the movie. Sure. Every day, as I'm sure you guys know, you you get a new a new black and white picture, and then everyone goes fucking bananas. Yeah. So we like for instance, the other day they showed Batman on top of the fucking tank from The Dark Knight Returns. I don't know if you gentlemen have read that comic. I tried to, and honestly, gonna be honest with you, the art is just too ugly for me to 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 read that comic the whole way through. It is really bad. Yeah, Frank Miller's art had really gone downhill. I don't know if that's the aesthetic he was going for, because this is an ugly world that this whole story inhabits. Mm-hmm. I've never really read any other Frank Miller. I just know that the art in that comic completely turned me off. The story itself is phenomenal. I love the story. It's like the quintessential Batman story, really. Sure. If, if one of you were to come up to me saying, hey, I, I want to get into Batman, that's the first book I'm putting you. The, the art is not good. Uh, I don't think he was ever really known for his artwork. But, but still... In that book, Batman drives, it's a literal tank. It's mm. ginormous. And I thought to myself, oh, that's cool. So wouldn't that have made more sense to put that fucking Batmobile in Batman v Superman when he uses <laughs> it? It, it? Like I thought he understands the character. But uh, what you have you guys seen the trailer? I have. Okay. Yep. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Okay. Mark, why don't you go first? Because you guys have actually covered Justice League on this show when I was not there. So I want to hear your, if you've watched it, I don't know if you've seen the trailer yet. Uh, no, I have not at this point, but oh, um, just, just from the, but I've seen the reaction to it. I imagine every time, I think I said to you guys in chat, and this is really the only thing I probably would say even if I saw the trailer, is that every time a new thing comes out about this movie, 
I just imagine all the Zack Snyder fans are just like Stan's dad in front of the computer and that one famous <laughs> meme. And it's just that's all I imagine. It's like no matter what comes out or if this is any good or not, they're just going to they're going to be in love with it. It's one of those things where some people just are so deep into wanting something to be good that no matter what comes out, it is good. Whether yeah, sure. whether the evidence shows that it is not, it is good. So from what I saw, the only things I saw were that photo you mentioned in the tank and then the, the reactions of the different sides going. A lot of people making Dan's point. It's like, I think I've seen a lot of these scenes before. <laughs> and other people going, oh, man, look how he reworked it. This looks so great. It's going to be amazing. And it's just going to be one of those things that no matter what happens or no matter how good it is, there's not going to be any objective, you know, discourse about it. Sure. So I'll take a step back in terms of my enjoyment of DC movies. Man of Steel. The scenes in Smallville are cool. Anything that looks like a Levi's commercial, I like, you know. <laughs> not, But the stuff on Krypton, stupid, ugly. The, the Russell Crowe scenes when he's basically ghost dad on the ship, stupid. <laughs> The less we say about the destruction of Metropolis, the better. What else we got? We've got Wonder Woman was fine. I liked it, but I only watched it once. Don't need to go back to it. I've defended on old shows Suicide Squad. You have. To an extent. You have. I think it's a six, but I don't think it was the worst. I still don't think it was the worst movie I'd ever seen. And uh, I remember the discourse on that one. Everybody's forgetting how they felt like Jared Leto was the shittiest part. And now all of a sudden it's like... Oh, Jared Leto's back. It's like, well, you guys hated him seven years ago. <laughs> right. Someone had a funny post when uh, Snyder dropped the like the behind the scenes look or like teasing the Joker. Yeah. And he was in the room. Someone was like, oh, my God, I don't know if he's going to be able to fit any more knives in that room. He could probably <laughs> only get like 20 max. Yeah. And so people are like the same time they're saying, oh, man, great. Leto's back in this one. I can't wait for the air cut, too. And I was like, well, now these are two different characters. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're not, or you shouldn't get the same Joker, right. right? But who knows with these fucking guys. Then Batman v Superman, so dull, such a boring movie, such an ugly looking movie. I know people are just like, oh, Zack Snyder's vision, it, he's, everything is gorgeous, everything could be a picture. It, no, it's just ugly. Like, where we go from what looks good in Man of Steel, like Smallville, to what we, we get like these just the grossness of that he's decided Gotham looks like is is miserable. Miserable place. I never want to go back to Batman versus Superman. I don't care how many cuts he makes. The Ultimate Edition, that's still the same ugly-looking movie. And Justice League, I, I don't remember anything I've seen from the original cut. I remember the mustache CGI, and that's basically it. Shazam is the best DC movie. It really Aquaman is good, too. Aquaman is colorful. I haven't seen uh, Aquaman. That, I would say my favorites are Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam. Okay. Because Shazam uh, is actually lighthearted. It's, it feels like a family kind of movie. It feels like a comic book movie. Yes. And I know people are like, well, why don't you just go watch Marvel movies? For fuck's sake, you just want something fun and stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> I like The Dark Knight, just... and I like The Dark Knight Rises, and I like Batman Begins, and those are dark and gritty, you know? And this is that, those are the reason why we're stuck with this bullshit. <laughs> so it's Nolan's fault. Yeah, it is <laughs> Nolan's fault because they got Nolan not light to do the next ones because Nolan wanted to do his his other 
kind of kind of terrible movies. It's yeah. sort of time travel movie. <laughs> yeah. So this trailer, I just it's hard for me to care. It really is. And this is coming from someone that I would I would consider myself a casual comic book reader. I've read a good amount of comics. I've collected a good amount, but I I, I don't. Dan is a an encyclopedia of comic book knowledge. Mark probably knows even more than I do, and I'm sure there's people gonna be listening to it that know a ton more than I know about comics. But I like comics. I like comic book movies more or less when they're good. This movie is four years old already. It's mm. like it's time to move forward. And there's nothing in this trailer that is distinguishable from what I didn't like in Batman versus Superman. There's Wonder Woman and now Cyborg and new characters, but to me it's just it's the same aesthetic that I saw in Batman versus Superman that I didn't like. I don't really care if you're going to tease Martian Manhunter. I don't really care if you're going to tease Green Lantern. That doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me as a movie watcher. And to be honest with you, this cult of personality that Zack Snyder has 100% fed into makes me dislike this movie. And people are going to say, well, you're just a hater. Sort of, but it's also your fault. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to compare Zack Snyder fans to Trump supporters because that's not fair because that's coded language that deals with racism and xenophobia and all the stuff that comes with Donald Trump. But what I will compare it to are those weird Elon Musk fanboys. <laughs> That's pretty good. It doesn't come yeah. along with any of that racism stuff. Maybe, though. He did grow yeah, up in yeah, apartheid yeah. South Africa. So <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit, but not as much. Uh, it's not as quite coded language. But it's there is no criticism, and that scares me. When people cannot take a step yeah. back and be critical of a person or a or a filmmaker or an artist and with legitimate criticisms. I mean, the like, I'm not part of any cult of personality. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, like Star Wars fan. Star Wars fans are like Jets fans, though. They hate everything about Jet, about Star Wars. So that's that's its own yeah. very, very problematic issue. <laughs> yes. But I'm sure there are George Lucas cultists, but he doesn't feed into that. It's a lot of misogyny feed. in Star yeah. Sure, and there's a lot of racism in those prequels. We don't with the Viceroy, that's oh, a thing. Yes, Jar Jar, <laughs> Jar Jar is a thing. Yeah, but I like you read a post that Zack Snyder put because he's got to post something every day. Yeah. Look at this grainy shot of me mixing in the studio, and everybody's like, "Yes, King, way to go, <laughs> boss. Looks great, boss. Can't wait, boss." Yeah, they call him boss. That's boss. problematic. It, Yes. And 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 going back to, you know, a lot of people are doing like they say it's the same movie, you know, like the, the SpongeBob meme at the core of this. It's still we were talking about it off off the uh, air. Steppenwolf is sent to Earth. He's going to retrieve the three mother boxes. We've seen it. He goes to Themyscira. He goes to Atlantis. I'm assuming he's going to get the third mother box after they resurrect Superman. Batman is putting together the Justice League. He says it. He said it in th the theatrical cut. He says it here. <laughs> Does he say Justice League Assemble? No, we have to wait for that. We have to wait. All right. He hasn't earned it. But yeah, he, he's putting together a team. So we, we have the same shot of them stepping off of the fucking plane together. It's a lot of the same. It's the same core story. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. We're going to see Darkseid send Steppenwolf to Earth. Great. Awesome. Does that matter to the movie? Fuck no. It means <laughs> yeah. nothing. It's like, oh, we get to see Darkseid. Okay. <laughs> 
What does so? that matter? <laughs> what is it? It adds nothing to the story because yeah. we know we're not getting more. Zack Snyder himself said he's not doing any more after. So who cares at the end of the day? Yeah. I just, it's so much pomp and circumstance for what is essentially a director's cut. And I just have a hard time getting amped up about it because I, I haven't heard anything new coming to me in this Snyder cut that makes me care. Like, oh, well, Steppenwolf is going to look differently. Slightly. Yeah. He's pointy. Yeah. If (laughs) I got to be honest with you, the, the, the design of Steppenwolf is not what I didn't care about in the original cut. It's like, so unless there are major plot resolutions that I didn't care about in the first one, and if it still looks like a piece of shit, like in terms of the world that we're living in, and I, I have the same kind of criticism for some Marvel movies. Yeah. Like Civil, like Civil War, the big fight in Civil War, they could have been fighting in an airplane hangar the entire time. Like the, the world... A lot of times in these movies, the the world does not feel inhabited. Even in the end, the end of Avengers Endgame, that is, yeah. there is no outside consequence, right? right? That's the one thing I'll say about the 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 end to Man of Steel. There's people dying at that point. This mm. is a random ass field in Georgia, I think, is where Avengers headquarters is. It's I and, think it's upstate New York. Okay, I think it's actually shot in Georgia. That's why. Oh, got, gotcha. <laughs> it's just a on Avengers property. Like acres and acres of property, so like there's no human cat, there's no human element to it. Right. So while that is cool, while that whole scene is awesome and cool, it's like, well, where is it taking place? It's taking pl- It could take place on Mars for all we care. It could take place anywhere, and that's one of the like most of Batman vs Superman. Like the finale takes place in I don't know, abandoned parking lots. I don't know. And they make sure to point that out. Like, yeah, oh, I every- let him into an uninhabited area. Fuck you. It's because you didn't <laughs> want to pay extras. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, I like I said, I just have a hard time. Yeah. Uh, and and part of that is the discourse. It's part the, of it, yeah. The, new pictures every day. It's yeah. Like, I don't ever see some a Snyder fan saying, "Great, another picture." Where's the new Where's the new trailer? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, I think you know. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mark. But three, four years of just nonstop. Release the Snyder Cut. Release the Snyder Cut. It's it's a disturbing. B fucking annoying. Yeah. You know it's you have no idea how you sound if you're just constantly saying uh, everyone in their 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 Twitter tags. Joe Schmo hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Like, come on, man. Like Snyder does not care about you enough yeah. to to do this. It's it's his own ego being stroked for this movie. And it's he's, so obvious. Yeah, he's trying to get his next fi- movie financed. Right. And yeah. he built us, well, not us, he built the studio, what is it, $70 million? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him, I guess. You know, yeah. he got he got his money. The ultimate grift. Yeah. So, yeah, for $70 million, I'm going to make almost the same exact movie. And they fell for it. Yeah, it, it's, it comes from the same thing that I, I've seen a lot in both online and personal interactions is that for some reason people in the last four to six years um just don't want to be wrong about anything sure and you know they have to be right so this has to be good because they said it was going to be good three years ago so no matter what we see from here on out it's good whether evidence is completely against that Mm -hmm. and that's what i feel a lot when i see the snyder fanboys as we've been saying on twitter you know, just no matter what, you you can make the most. Dan could present that rational argument he said in the beginning 
about it's the same dialogue, same fight scenes and stuff. They go, no, but it's different. Right. You don't understand. You know, we were right, you know, sort of mentality. And I think that's that's more the thing that has, where maybe me and Anne are on the same page and just saying it differently. That's the, the main reason why I am turned off by it, despite the bit we have on the show that I essentially defended it in the Justice League <laughs> podcast. It, it's just I, I don't I don't care. You know, I actually I had no care for any of the new DC movies. I think I've seen two of the four of them, you know, outside Wonder Woman is a different I've, I've seen both of those. But, you know, I've only seen Justice League because of this podcast and and Suicide Squad, you know, since Man of Steel came out and started this all over. Yeah, I didn't I have no interest in seeing Batman v Superman. As much as I hear Aquaman and is good, not really, you know, I'll probably see The Flash because I like Ezra Miller and I just want to see what he does with it. Um but like unlike Marvel where I genuinely got excited about it, it, it there does nothing for me and the fans make it even worse. I'll yeah. I'll say one more thing. Uh, and then we can we can move on from this unless you guys have something else to say. Nope. But I'll, I'll rest my case. As far as the vision goes, I don't buy into it because he's flip flopped a few times about, oh, it's it's going to be a movie. It's going to be a theatrical movie. It's going to be a miniseries. Now it's going to be a four hour movie. So clearly he's cutting things. Yeah. Right. So even then, I feel like we're not getting quote unquote, the true vision. And maybe there'll be a Snyder cut of the Snyder cut that has the the two extra hours, apparently. But I can't imagine this movie being bad in the sense that he's been giving everything to make right. it good. Not that not that I'm going to enjoy it. I might not even watch it. But you you know, you've had four years to correct the mistakes. You've been given a ton of money to do it. Now, if you fail, I honestly I don't I don't know if you should try to do like anything again. <laughs> <laughs> right like we're right. given the king of all do-overs well if it fails the goalposts would move once again and it'll be well it wasn't as bad as the first cut right and then that's what you can cling to yeah. well yeah. it wasn't just yeah. good for you guys you, yeah. uh, it, you with, with everything involved it shouldn't be any worse than a six right and essentially. You know, that's what we were saying you know like uh, i can't wait for this movie to come out it'll get its three and a half stars everyone will you know cream themselves and then we'll move on yep that's what I, I just want it to be released already at this point. Just release it, give the people what they want, and then we can move on with our lives. Yes. And talk about how a president can be impeached twice and uh, incite so violence and not right. lose his fucking job. And we'll vote for him again in 2024. Right. But bef- this is not a political <laughs> podcast. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Sonic the Attack 2. No. 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 <laughs> no, we're not. We're going we're gonna to move on because it's time for an ad break. And we will be right back. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week's movie was picked by Mark. So, Mark, you want to introduce this week's movie? Yeah. So I chose Broken Arrow, the John Travolta, Christian Slater, Howie Long-led movie about nuclear warheads getting lost in the Utah desert. So I chose this for multiple reasons. Number one was I was looking through Amazon Prime and realized I have a whole lot of John Woo movies on there and that we have not done a John Woo movie. So I was like, hey, we should at least do one of these. And I didn't want to do the good one, which is Face Off, um, that was on there. Um, and plus, we've already done enough Nick Cage and John Travolta stuff. So I was looking through. And then I found Broken Arrow near the end. And I was like, the only things I remember from this movie is that there's a dumb boxing scene in the beginning of the movie. And that they are running around the desert and Howie Long is in it. 
So needless to say, I didn't remember anything else about this movie except for that boxing scene at the beginning of the movie. So I was excited just to see from what I read on Letterboxd and stuff like that. It was like a John Woo movie that wasn't a lot of the same tropes of a John Woo movie that we know and love. Uh, We'll get to that when we describe, you know, go through the plot and stuff like that. But it was one of the rare ones that I haven't seen multiple times. I think I've seen it once or twice. It wasn't one of the ones I had on VHS back in the day, like Face Off. And I was just like, wanted to relive it and thought John Woo would be a perfect thing for this podcast. Okay, great. Dan, where are you coming from with Broken Arrow? Okay, so I have never seen this movie. And I'm very upset that I haven't because this is, this is crazy, this movie. I love it. No one takes any damage in this movie. Like, none of the main characters get hurt ever. It's pretty awesome. I, we're, we're talking about the uh, the boxing scene in the beginning. I think John Travolta hits Christian Slater with, like, 100 haymakers. <laughs> and Slater never shows a bruise, let alone just, like, a little bit of blood. Uh, he gets ejected out of a crashing bomb, uh, a bomber, right, a stealth bomber jet. He gets ejected out. He's fine. Just a little dusty. oh this is annoying travolta choose the scenery like no other in this movie it's pretty phenomenal i I didn't know it was a john moo movie so when i when i saw it was i immediately perked up like oh i'm excited now this is gonna be a lot of fun yeah this is just like peak 90s cheese Uh, Mm -hmm. it was very good yeah 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 so i have seen this movie once before we own this on vhs and i'm pretty sure it was sight unseen sort of columbia house my parents were like oh look 12 movies on VHS for like a, a cent a piece. You know, pick some movies. <laughs> it was probably a one my dad picked. He's like, oh, John Travolta, he's from Brooklyn. So I'm going to pick this movie. <laughs> my dad loves John Travolta just based on that simple fact. And that Saturday Night Fever was filmed right behind, right around the corner from my parents' house back in the 70s. So watch this. And the only thing I remember from this movie watching this originally was the scene where Christian Slater shoots between Samantha Mathis's legs at the end. I only remember that move where he get, he drops the gun and then takes the gun from her back, the back of her pants and shoots from between her legs. Only thing I remember from this movie <laughs> train for some right? reason, for some reason I forgot the nuke goes through John Travolta's dummy at the end. <laughs> so good. And I think this is where I became like obsessed with stealth bombers. I thought that was like just the coolest idea ever. Back in when I was like 11, it's like these things that could drop nukes and no one could even see them. But they were relatively new, right? I think so. Yeah. From what I know, that they were relatively new. Yeah. I forgot how close, like, how close to similar the plot is to The Rock. Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, The Rock has a little bit of a more of a diehard aesthetic to it because, uh, you know, Nick Cage and Sean Connery got to break into it. But still, yeah, they it's a military guy basically holding the the country for ransom with a with a, a specific weapon and this came out like five months earlier this came out at the beginning of 96 rock came out in like may of 96 yeah it's fine it's fun it's stupid 90s cheese is so good yeah. even when it's bad it's kind of good this is it's not quite con air level in terms of quality i think i think con air to me con air is the pinnacle of 90s cheese it's the best 90s cheese movie ever yeah always be but this is like second tier this is like b squad um, yeah. you know yeah. the rock is probably a squad this is what would be in here face off face off yeah it's probably very similar 
What's what's Armageddon? Is Armageddon A squad or B squad? I'd say more B. B squad, yeah. I mean, it's got an A list. Yeah. It's got an A tier cast. Yeah. But just the, the the silliness of of the plot and the effects and all that, I'd put it more B. Okay. What yeah? Uh, what's the uh, U.S. Marshals is probably. B oh yeah, list. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's B. Borderline C. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think does, of other nineties. Does Chief. Die Hard three make a? Die Hard three is is A list. A list, yeah. 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 Samuel L. Jackson by himself yeah. in that movie is phenomenal. Zeus, get off my cloud, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, it, 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 we were talking about it off the off the uh, the recording. The person who makes it furthest in this movie is not who you would expect it to make. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know what accent John Travolta is going for in this movie. Uh, yeah, it's a little all over the place. There's sometimes where it exists, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little just southern. What was that? I think he was just going for crazy. Right. Yeah, it's John Travolta's version of crazy, which is it only go it only ticks the meter so much too. <laughs> yeah, I I think and I I immediately recognized who the villain was like pretty quickly it was almost like record-breaking time <laughs> oh yeah he's the bad guy yep yeah and I, I love how they uh try to shoehorn a boxing term into the the plot of the movie oh i have conversations about that specific scene <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> the audacity it's a real silly movie i i was wait like because howie long was in this we'll go through the cast for and surprise, surprise, he is the man on the inside, basically. And I was getting a little concerned because it seemed like he wasn't going to make that turn and he was going to die. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I forgot that Howie Long was the bad guy, was a bad guy in this. And I was like, I'm, is he is he going to die right here? Because he's 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 doing a pretty good job of, of hiding his tell. And then sure enough, he did. <laughs> I was like, oh, did thank you breathe God. a sigh of relief? Like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. he, he delivered. He delivered the line that everybody does when they turn in a '90s action movie. I can't let you do that. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the mind. '90s version of a "We live in a society." <laughs> <laughs> so, Broken Arrow from 1996 is directed by John Woo, the director of the excellent Hong Kong films "A Better Tomorrow," "Hard Boiled," and "The Killer," and his little. Less quality American films include Hard Target, Face Off, Mission Impossible 2, and Wind Talkers, among the others. It's also written by Graham Yost, writer of Speed, Hard Rain, another Christian Slater movie, and the creator of Justified. It stars John Travolta, Christian Slater, Samantha Mathis. We got a pump up the volume reunion, baby. Yeah. Also, Fringley, The Last Rainforest, too. Bob Gunton, Delroy Lindo, Frank Whaley, Howie Long, Von D. Curtis Hall, Kurtwood Smith, and Sean Taub. Before we go on, I'm assuming Speed's A-list. I, I was A-list. just going to say Speed is definitely A-list. Hard Rain is C-list. It <laughs> <laughs> has an IMDb score of 6.1 and a Rotten Tomato score of 52%. Budget, $50 million. U.S. gross, 75. So it made a little bit of its money back. World gross, I didn't remember what it was, but it was it made some money. But this... Uh, it's a kind of a forgotten one. I don't I don't really hear many people talk about Broken Arrow, and I think it should be revisited because it's fun. The CG, it's not bad special effects. There's not much. There's a little, you know, a lot of explosions though. Yeah. This should be called Helicopter Explosion the movie because <laughs> there are at least 3. Yes. 3 specifically helicopters. Yeah, yeah. the the train. So the... the first one, Christian Slater shoots the the helicopter pilot. Correct. Crashes it. Second one, 
the stupid helicopter plot pilot drives into the mountain. I think and there's four then. There's four, yeah. Right. That I I missed one. Yeah, the, the SWAT, uh, the the, uh, the nuke team retrieval. Right. The EMP, the EMP. Yes. yes. So that's three. And then there's another one on the train. On the train, yes. yes. Four helicopters explode. <laughs> a train explodes. A stealth bomber explodes. Is there a car <laughs> a explosion? Line. Yes, there's a car explosion. There's a car explosion. The mine explodes. Shit explodes. The only thing that didn't explode was the the boat. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) That was in the John Woo cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the car was her, the park ranger car. Right. Yes, because they shoot at her. Yeah. In the beginning, and it explodes. Wow. Yeah, so many explosions. It's great. It was a John movie. Yep. And nobody looked at them because, you know, it's an action movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the main problems with this movie is Christian Slater is not an action hero. Right. I think if you had gotten, speaking of speed, if you had gotten maybe a Keanu Reeves in this movie, that might have done a little bit better. Yeah. I think, yeah, he fits right in there. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen Keanu Reeves' blandness go up against John Travolta's craziness. Yeah. I think that's the uh, that's the perfect replacement. I can't think of anyone better than Keanu Reeves in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> even just just thinking about him in the boxing match, just getting his ass kicked, yeah. and just, <laughs> and just and all, being totally indifferent about it. <laughs> that might also just replace one of my problems I have with the boxing scenes is that John Travolta is six two, and he? he he towers over Christian Slater. <laughs> He's a very I was stocky guy too. too. I thought I thought he might have been a little bit shorter. I thought he might have been a, a sub sixer, but no. John Travolta is six two according to his uh, his Wikipedia page. And Christian Slater, I he's feel like he's like he's five nine. Yeah. Okay. So he's so I feel forward. like so Travolta should be wiping the floor with him easily. But he pretty much did. He, he does. Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it shouldn't even be a pro. It shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, the only reason it turns later on is because Christian Slater gets to use his... Doesn't he say he does martial arts or something at some point in the opening? He, he so. was always a fan of uh, Bruce Lee movies. Bruce Lee movies, that's what he says, yeah. Yeah. I did have a problem with Samantha Mathis being so good, and there's never, like, a line where he's like, oh, yeah, I was Army Reserve for four years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I could have used a line like that. Like Mark always says, just one line. But she's, like, so good at shooting things and yeah. just, like, fighting one of the things I kept thinking about was how can you imagine getting your ass kicked by a park ranger? <laughs> yeah, you're a military and you're losing to a park ranger. It has nothing to do that you know she's a woman. That right. zero to do. Just a park a park ranger is not supposed to be physical. You know yeah. what the, the the extent of a park ranger's job is? Excuse me, sir, could you please uh, get off the trail? Thank you. <laughs> That's a park ranger. Yeah. It's like the the guys in the beginning that shoot those campers were perfect park rangers. <laughs> really shouldn't be having an open flame over here. I'm gonna need you to put that out and please uh, exit the the park. And you didn't have to kill them. <laughs> no, not at all. They were they were just about to leave. Like oh okay yeah we're, we'll uh, we'll go we'll put the fire out. Bang bang. <laughs> very necessary. Yeah, very unnecessary. And I think even the warden from Shawshank is just like what the fuck man. <laughs> Get him out of there. <laughs> oh he. He was another big problem I had with this movie. He was so annoying, the warden. Just con- We were talking about it before, just constantly. Oh, I thought you planned for this. Oh, I'm paying a lot of money. Like, oh, my God. When Travolta hits him in the throat with the flashlight, I was like, thank God. It's the best <laughs> thing Travolta's done in years. Uh, you want to get into the plot? Sure. 
All right. What do you got for us, Dan? Uh, so we're going to plug our friend Tia and her podcast, Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and her friend Brittany go over top 10 lists. So top 10 John Woo films, top 10 Snyder movies, whatever you want. It's there. She's a good friend of the podcast. You could follow her at TC underscore Stark. She also writes for Geek Vibes Nation. She's a phenomenal writer, and just a good person. So go give her a follow and tell her we said hi. Okay, great. And we're going to be right back with the plot. But before we do, we're going to take a minute to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. It seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into the plot for Broken Arrow. We open on a boxing match between Christian Slater and John Travolta. And John Travolta is dominating, basically giving Christian Slater life lessons as he's kicking his ass. And But I will say that Slater makes the boxing look better than Travolta does. Yeah. Travolta plays Vic Deacons. Slater plays Riley Hale. True 90s action movie names. <laughs> After the boxing match, they get dressed. Travolta smokes a cigarette like a weirdo and tells Slater that he doesn't have the will to win. And they go meet with the general. I just wanted to go take a step back. Travolta, I don't know what Travolta's doing with that cigarette. It just looks off. Yeah. <laughs> just the way he holds a cigarette. Might have to go back and look at it. I think he's trying to make it look cool, but it's just weird. Did it? <laughs> And the, the beginning of the movie pretty much tells you everything that's going to happen throughout yep. the rest of the movie. Right? Yep. It, it basically sums up the entire movie in that boxing. Yep. So they go meet with the general and they get briefed on a simulation mission that they're going on. Basically, they're taking out a stealth bomber with some nukes on them to see if the radiation glows enough to be picked up by the radar. Meanwhile, a guy posing as a park ranger shoots two campers that are camping in a national park. And the warden from Shawshank shows up with a bunch of goons and takes control of some nefarious operation. As Deacons and Hale start to simulate a mission, we meet the ground team they are trying to, that are trying to detect them, headed by Delroy Lindo. So they go into stealth mode, and the cat and mouse game begins. What I love about this scene is the uh, the room that they are in tracking them looks like the least military operations room. It's like they just found like a closet with a thing in the middle and just put a bunch of TVs in it. <laughs> It's uh, Wonder Woman's room from Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, does, it has a B-movie quality to it. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, park ranger Terry Carmichael gets a call from dispatch that a suspicious group of vehicles enter the park, and she says she'll go check it out. While Hale and Deacons talk about being in the Air Force and being a lifer or not, Deacons then attempts to shoot Hale in the head, 
which winds up being a slap fight when I was still strapping to their seats. Looked like two kids fighting while they're in car seats. <laughs> <laughs> what a bad... And I think that's a bad spot to have a gun, like to shoot a gun in the pilot seat. Right. If you miss, you're going to lose cabin pressure. Yeah. Right. And it's just you're you're put you're taking a lot to chance there. <laughs> it does seem like it was a not fully formed plan, but I don't really know how else he would have done it. Yeah, it very much looks like that moon meme when the one astronaut yeah. <laughs> always got it. <laughs> So then Deacons tries to drop the unarmed nukes and eventually accomplishes it only after he ejects Hale's seat. Then he sends a distress signal to Deroy, Lindo, and ejects, crashing the $2 billion aircraft and insinuating that Hale was the one that dropped the nukes. The Joint Chiefs of Staff call a meeting and Kurtwood Smith heads it. They get a briefing that is basically a lie until a guy named Giles, played by Frank Whaley, tells them that the people are going to know that they're missing this specific aircraft, so he tells them to rewrite it and basically just tell the truth. So Lindo's team goes out to investigate and finds the craft, but no weapons. And they say the magic words, we've got a broken arrow. Yeah. Hey, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> Kurtwood Smith, criminally underutilized. In- yeah, he's not even a bad guy. Yeah, I was very disappointed in that. I was waiting for the heel turn, never came. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite delivered lines that sounded sober, like a line that would be realistically dropped, is when uh, Giles is saying the Kurt Smith's character. I don't know what's worse, that this happens or that it has has happened enough that you have a word for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But fun fact, the phrase broken arrow is not actually used to refer to the theft, lost, or seizure of nuclear weapons or components from the U.S. That's known as an empty quiver. A broken arrow is defined by a terms of code john reporting structure event and incident reports as a u.s nuclear weapon accident that does not create the risk of a nuclear war so i but i guess it doesn't oh no it would because they wanted to sell the nuke to like on the black market right uh yes so it would potentially create a nuclear war right it should be this movie should have been called empty quiver but it doesn't sound that it doesn't yeah, sound say, that good I, <laughs> I wouldn't watch empty quiver <laughs> Then Kruger from Seinfeld briefs the audience as to why they don't go off on impact because they weren't armed. They believe that Hale was the one that went crazy. So it's the morning and Hale is in the desert. And then pump up the volume reunion as Santa Mathis pulls a gun on Christian Slater. Rather than both identifying themselves as government employees, which would solve a lot of tensions, they wrestle over the gun, (laughs) knocking it out only a few hundred yards away. Uh, eventually, Hale gets control of the gun, then gives it back to Carmichael, and she tells him that she has a radio in her truck if he needs to call for help. Delroy's team gets a reading on one of the warheads, so the helicopter they helicopter into the desert to find it. Meanwhile, the warden's men shoot one of Delroy's men patrolling the area. Then Travolta gets a slow-motion entrance, and he's just so cool about everything. Nothing phases him. This deacons, deke as they call him. He's definitely, he has the swagger. Travolta, mm-hmm. he he hasn't lost it yet, but you could see it's kind of waning. Yeah, right? it just it, seems phony. <laughs> it seems put upon. Right. He he was never again to me. He's not an action guy. Did this come out after Pulp Fiction? Yes. Okay. So is he riding the the, the coattails of Pulp Fiction? Yeah. I guess because he was pretty cool as Vincent Vega. Yeah. Right. And then he this had. Is, it, is this post Face Off too? This is before Face Off. Oh. So I believe Face Off was 97? 97 because that was that was that was Nicolas Cage's big year. He had Con Air and Face Off same year. Yeah, that was the one where he literally started filming Face Off a week after rapping on Con Air. Yeah. That famous I, story. I love so. that saying Nicolas Cage's big year. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's huge, we gotta, man. We got to make a movie called Nicolas Cage's Big Year. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I think would would have been so much better in this role now that I'm thinking of it? Because you, you mentioned his swagger that he's just kind of not pulling off. Is it but, Kurt, Kurt Russell? Well, that's not bad. I was thinking, like, imagine Denzel Washington showing Ooh. up with that swag. Yeah. As Travolta's character? As Travolta's yeah. character. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Knocked <laughs> it out of the park there. Yeah. Especially when he just comes over and sl- over that hill in slow motion. And just him beating the shit out of Christian Slater, giving him the life lessons. Yeah. Would be so much better. Coming from yeah. coming from Denzel, because Denzel, anytime he's talking, just sounds like everyone's dad, right? Yes. Yeah. He's he's, tro- <laughs> he's dropping knowledge on you while yeah. he's beating the shit out. Complete recast. It's Denzel teaching life lessons to Keanu, to Keanu Reeves. Reeves. I'd watch that movie a <laughs> hundred times. Yeah. I have that on laser disc, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would definitely be A-list 90s cheese. Yeah. So the team finds the nuke, including Howie Long, who's totally not in on the plan. They don't zoom in on him at all when he's in the helicopter. (laughs) The team finds the second warhead, and they get killed by Deacon's men for their trouble. And Howie Long then turns, thank God. (laughs) Anthony was very, very worried. Yeah. And then Howie Long's character gets gets on the radio, and he pretends that Somebody else went crazy, and he he dies. He gets shot, and he's doing this all as a pretend over the radio. And it's kind of incredible to cast Howie Long, who has no, no history of convincing acting, to act like a military man, whose big scene is him acting like he's being attacked over the radio. To be honest, I didn't hate Howie Long in this movie. No. I thought he was okay. It's fine. Yeah. And, and that scene was very funny to me when he was like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's... uh. Kind of passable. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> it's no firestorm, that's for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hale and Carmichael make it back to her Jeep, but they can't get a signal on the radio, and Hale gets nervous as he starts to hear a helicopter, so he pulls her out of the Jeep right before the helicopter starts shooting at it, causing it to explode. Hot, chopper number one goes up. Uh, or that's the car that blows up, sorry. Uh, the chopper chases after them, shooting at them. Meanwhile, Hale shoots at them with a handgun, and then... <laughs> Eventually, Carmichael distracts the pilot so Hale could shoot him, and the chopper crashes. That's the first chopper that could. Almost on top of Carmichael, but Hale pulls her to safety because she freezes like the chicks in uh, Prometheus, running in a straight line. That's the one thing. When they're <laughs> getting chased by the helicopter, they just continue to run in a straight line. Serpentine shell, serpentine. <laughs> Deacons and his crew see the chopper crash, and then Deacons and the warden have a dick measuring competition. Travolta is certainly making a choice with the possible accent he's trying to do. <laughs> The first of two that he attempts to do, or maybe even more than two at a point in this movie. I guess this is when Travolta was trying to planting the seeds of that Deacons was crazy. Sure. Um, Yeah. And it's just a little overdone. He quickens the pace of his his cadence. That's how you know he's crazy is because he's talking fast. And his accent is all also just subtle enough so it could be like plausible deniability. It's like I wasn't trying to do an accent. (laughs) Like it's there, (laughs) but it's like you can't really call him on it. That much, because yeah. like, but maybe he's not. I wonder how often actors do that, right? Like some days they're just, I'm going to try something different without anyone knowing. Yeah. And it it's just like, really throws everyone through a loop. It's like just putting a little bit of lemon in your water. <laughs> you, you, you're not 100% sure it's there, but it's something's off. <laughs> or something's great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't know I needed this, but yeah. I'm glad I got it. So the Joint Chiefs realize that this may have been on purpose, but they still think Hale is the guy that stole the warheads. Hale tells Carmichael about the stolen warheads, and then they spot the trucks driving towards the river. And then they decide to just jump on one of the trucks, 
And in one of the silliest car chases ever ensues, yeah. Haley gets tossed from to, off the truck and starts to get run down by the other one. But Carmichael tosses him the handgun as he's running full speed and he catches it and he jumps back into the back of the <laughs> truck. So now Carmichael and Hale have the truck with the warheads on it. And in order to get away from Deacon's, Hale rigs a flare to a gas can and it explodes on Deacon's car, which he says he learned in Trenton, New Jersey, which I find offensive. <laughs> <laughs> New Jersey, the uh, birthplace of Captain America and throwing car bombs? Molotov cocktails? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I'm offended too because that's more of a Jersey City move <laughs> than Trenton. <laughs> They feel seen. (laughs) Hale and Carmichael take the warheads to an old copper mine, but they realize that Deacons was already at this copper mine, and he was planning to bring the warheads there, too. Then they take the nukes off the truck, and Hale's plan is to put the wrong code three times, and it's supposed to shut the warheads down completely. So it's like an iPhone. Yeah. And it takes entirely too long to do this if this is his plan. Uh, Deacons calls on the Jeep phone. It turns out he thought of what Hale would do. So when Hale plugs in the wrong code, it actually activates the bomb and with about 30 minutes before it explodes. That makes no sense because doesn't he think that Hale is dead? Well, he thought Hale was dead, but once the chopper explodes, he assumes that he's alive. So so is that when he has the ability to do that to the nuke? I think this was just a failsafe. Okay. I don't think he necessarily thought Hale would be the guy doing it. He thought that some, if somebody were to try... Uh, Okay. Yeah. Activate the bombs. It would gotcha. be. Because I was gonna say he says he's in control. So then that would have meant he knew that Hale was going to die, or Hale was going to live, even though he said Hale was dead. Yeah. So the plan has gone slightly to shit here. Yes. But he had a fail save for if somebody else picked up the bomb. Okay. Okay. That makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Because he wants he wants that bomb to go off anyway, regardless. That's his plan. His plan is oh, to okay. always set off the first one. Right. I think that the plan was to do it in the mine shaft to show them that he's willing to set these off, but to kind of be like, like a warning shot, sort of. Yeah, he's not fucking around. Yeah. So Hale decides to let the warhead explode deep in the mine and bury the other one with it, because that's that's the pl- the change in the plan. The second one was never supposed to be in the mine shaft when the other one blows up, because that one's going to Denver, as we find out later. On yeah, the train. So Christian Slater is saying, well, then I'm gonna bet I'm gonna hide the second one with the first one so when that explodes it's going to bury it in the mine shaft and you're not going to be able to take it yeah basically yeah okay. I, w- I, w- I would love to get a, a geologist opinion on the whole when this explodes it'll just turn this all into a copper pot and they won't be able to get <laughs> both warheads right i'm sure I mean, it has lasting damages to the ecosystem and all that <laughs> it is the desert but come on yeah yeah it's like <laughs> you it's gonna, it's gonna, die, it's gonna shake out all the copper that's down here and encase the warheads because of the heat involved. Sure. But I mean, to be honest, I mean, it'll take him thousands of years to dig that out with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when Deacons arrives, they try to find Hale by going down the mine elevator. One of Deacons goons shoots at Hale, but does a pretty good job at almost shooting the nukes, too. They're able to chase Hale and Carmichael away from the nuke and they take it back. Deacons resets the nuke for a shorter time and then breaks the access keypad. Then we get a very John Woo gunfight with slow mo, guns akimbo, but no doves. Sad. Just a shame. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Like, it should you... have been canaries. I was going to say, because it's a mine <laughs> shaft. Yeah. I, I would have accepted either or. Just just doves out of nowhere. And we're like, oh, you know, it doesn't need to make sense. After a few goons die, the gunfight ends, leaving Carmichael and Hale trapped. So Deacons and Hale talk. Turns out that they're planning on hiding the nuke in the radiation department of the St. Jude's Hospital in Salt Lake City so that Deacons can t- sell it to some beneficiary so he could get a stake in Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> That's my 
favorite plot point in this movie. Was that like an up-and-coming company? They make the safest cars in the world, apparently, and he's going to get a 5% stake in the, in the company. And live off the dividend. <laughs> With... Stonks. Stonks. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the... the... It's kind of like the like the plan for Hans Gruber, right? When they when they're busy sifting through the ashes, we'll be on a beach collecting twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I just want that interest, baby. At least at least Gruber was kind enough to not tell us what he was investing in. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes Benz. Right. Yeah. Pick a better car company, at least right. a more flashy car company. Yeah. Uh, I'm I guess... investing in Kia. <laughs> Volvo was the only one willing to pay money for it. Volvo and Coca-Cola sponsored this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a strange turn of events. It's a weird reason to be a bad guy. Yeah, it's just it's just so complicated. It's just two hundred fifty million dollars. (laughs) That's right. All you have to say is I'm going to sell this to the highest bidder. I'm going to take that money and retire. That's all we need to know, John. We get it. We all want to do it. And I also like the brush off that we we skipped over a little bit earlier, where the one. Joint Chiefs General goes, well, this is a really difficult way to get your hands on nuclear warheads. You can just go to a Soviet bloc country and get them for the price of a BMW. Yeah. I like to see the the stakeholders meeting when John Travolta shows up at the Volvo stakeholders meeting. What would you do? Oh, I just stole some warheads for 5% of this company. (laughs) Does that make him a majority stockholder? I would assume someone's got like 51%. That's usually how it works, right? Yeah. That'd be hilarious if, if John Travolta's <laughs> character becomes a majority shareholder just from stealing <laughs> nuclear warheads. So, Deacons and his goons leave Carmichael and Hale to die in the explosion, dropping a couple of grenades down the mo- mine shaft for good measure. When Carmichael realizes that there's a part of the mine that goes to the river. As Deacons and his crew leave, a federal helicopter team chases them down. And the warden mounts off, so Deacons hits him in the throat with a flashlight and he suffocates. Then Deacons turns off the truck and all electronic equipment and waits for the nuke to go off. When it does, the ground shakes, but most of the damage doesn't escape the mine. But the EMP shuts down all the radio communications and the helicopter system, and the helicopter crashes and explodes. Helicopter 2 down. Carmichael and Hale follow the river and happen upon Deacons and his men and a boat waiting for them. While they try and steal the boat, the men start coming back with the nuke, so Hale jumps out, Carmichael fails to, and hides under a tarp and the boat sails away. It's one of those things where they wouldn't notice extra weight on the boat. <laughs> I don't remember there being a huge bump on that side of the boat. <laughs> What's this tarp doing here? Yeah. Yeah, Tarps man. are always so convenient. They're always in boats. Yeah, or in the back of cars. Yeah. yeah. How convenient. Yeah. Deacon sends a message to the Joint Chiefs demanding $250 million or he's going to set off the bomb. Meanwhile, the feds find Hale and pick him up. Meanwhile, Car- Carmichael hops onto the truck carrying the nuke and Hale meets up with Delroy Lindo and Frank Whaley and they discuss what Deacon's plan is. And then the caucasity of Hale thinking he needs to explain the rumble in the jungle to Delroy Lindo. <laughs> the I'm so glad you put that in your notes because <laughs> I thought the same exact thing. How dare he? Lindo would have been 22 at the time of the rumble in the jungle. Slater would have been five. <laughs> he remembers. No one forgets. It's not so much that Christian Slater remembers, it's but the idea that Delroy Lindo would be a 22-year-old black man right. in 1974, I think it was, and not know what rope-a-dope meant. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And I like how he explains the full thing. He says, you know, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman in Zaire. Yeah. Oh, thanks. 
no fucking shit. <laughs> it's exact. Is 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 basically the response. Yeah. Do you think Delroy Lindo thought that in that scene, just in, in his mind? Like, yeah, obviously. It, it, it's the most realistically delivered line in the whole movie. <laughs> this movie, this movie does not get made today because of that line. <laughs> Meanwhile. Carmichael's now on the train and she tries to attack a guy named Max, but Max and her get into a fight and she winds up killing him with a hammer to the head. This is uh, played by, what was his name? The guy from, Jensen from Iron Man. Yeah, and he has a weird line. They go, you think I'm a nerd and I don't know how to fight? Yeah, it was a Navy SEAL, Sean Tau. Yeah, we're like, oh, what an odd thing to say. <laughs> See what I can do with my thumb. <laughs> Just, I, I, it didn't make any sense. Like, who cares? Yeah. Or you're it, it is a weird one to it just like to write that dialogue. <laughs> Nothing needs to be said. Right, we don't need this guy's backstory. He's henchman number right. fifty. Right. Like I, what we need is Samantha Mathis' Mathis's backstory of why she is able to yeah. climb around on trains and kick people's asses. Right. She's like a Indiana Jones was her dad. Yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just need that guy to go. I was a for you thought I was a nerd, but I'm a former Navy SEAL. My wife left me last month. I don't know why. I'm kind of trying, I'm trying to deal through it here. <laughs> I would love that. I want that backstory for some henchman. <laughs> Just basically talks about his, his past month of life before this yeah. meeting. Right. They they have like a little sit down on the train. My wife says I never listened to her, but, you know... I just, I have so much going on with work and the kids. It's hard. I can't devote my, you're like, okay, that's very nice. <laughs> so what, he just sneaks so, off the train. So so what did she say to you? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Ali Young on his cell phone to his yeah. wife. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll be able to pay the mortgage this week. I got to go right now. Hold on. <laughs> I love you too. All right. <laughs> or then you, or then you see him get kidnapped by some, some terrorists. He gets brought over to make a bomb. <laughs> ties into iron man there we go i feel like he probably shouldn't die from that from that hammer throw right right it, it, unless what is, does the claw hit him the claw and no, like, i don't oh, think no. so it doesn't like stick in his head like i feel like you'd have to throw that really hard to do to to kill someone in one shot right right if, if hitman the video game logic taught me anything hammers just knock people out yes you yeah, have to go snap their necks okay so maybe he just got <laughs> knocked out yeah but then and the train blows up anyway. So. Yeah, so he dies. He dies. <laughs> Just a uh, long path for him. <laughs> but then Deacon shows up and harasses her to arm the bomb. And this is the most sexual tension between Samantha Mathis and anyone, any character in this movie is the, when Deacon shows up and puts a gun on her. And it turns out he's just making her think she's arming it when she just turns it off. Then he threatens to toss her out the train, but when he opens the door, Hale is there in a helicopter and shoots at Deacons with a giant machine gun. Carmel Michael, meanwhile, escapes to the top of the train and her. Now, I thought this was her stump double, but she has cake in those pants, at least. So the stump double or... So I thought I in my notes, it says and her stump double has cake. But in the trivia... It says that that was her. She climbed on the train. So good for you, Samantha Maths. I didn't think you had it in you or on you. Oh, yeah. I was going to say on you. (laughs) (laughs) And then Delroy Lindo takes over the guns as Hale jumps onto the train. And a couple of henchmen get the Vic Morrow treatment. And then Lindo gets lit up by Deacons. And I can't believe how he long outlives Delroy Lindo in this movie. (laughs) It's kind of a shame that uh, uh, Lindo is getting his his, uh, recognition now. Yeah. When he really should have been getting his recognition pretty much all along. Yeah, I like Delroy Lindo. Yeah, he, he's solid in everything he's in. Mm-hmm. 
And then the helicopter crashes into the side of the mountain when the train goes into a tunnel. And this is the third helicopter explosion. Because then another one is then being transported, gets blown up, and that's the fourth. And then Deacon arms the nuke and sets it to go off in five minutes, making Howie Long very upset. Howie turns on Deacon, telling him to disarm it. And while they have a fight and talk it over, Hale ties a dead henchman up. This is the Al Leong lookalike and tosses him over the side. So it comes crashing against the door. So Deacons and Howie Long shoot at it, thinking it's Hale. Meanwhile, Hale comes in on the other side, swinging on a rope and kicks Howie Long out the other side, complete with a Wilhelm scream. Yes. Yep. Oh, that was great. I'm, I, I immediately, like, I tapped Jen. I was like, oh, the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You don't have to know. It's okay. So then Deacons shows the remote detonator to Hale and says he can have it if he can beat him in a boxing match. So they throw down fisticuffs, and Deacons does pretty well to knock the snot out of Hale for a while. Meanwhile, Carmichael detaches the car with a nuke on it from the rest of the train, and it drifts away. But then the conductor comes out of nowhere with a machine gun and starts <laughs> shooting at her. But she shoots him instead, and he falls on the brakes. But not before. He shoots a bunch of gas tanks, causing the train to catch fire. And now Hale gets the upper hand, beating the shit out of Deacons. Now their car is bearing down on the rest of the train, and Hale manages to grab the detonator, jump out the car, and disarm the nuke right before they collide. The train crashes, the nukes go flying right through the dummy that was supposed to believe as Deacons, <laughs> and the train explodes with Carmichael and Hale jumping out just in time. And then they meet back up, and they shake each other's hands, and that's the <laughs> end, end of the movie. <laughs> Such a John Woo ending. Things are on uh, fire. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was very fun. Yeah, it's such a weird note to end on, though. Just shaking, like <laughs> it's like here, let's shake each other's hands. Right. Not even a hug. Just give yeah. me a hug. It should have made you... out. They have zero sexual chemistry for two people that have already been in a movie together. What was the other movie? Pump up the volume. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think at that at that point you really couldn't end it any other way, though. I don't see them because they didn't have that. There was no link to them being attracted to each other. It was really just they needed each other to survive. Yeah. Which is kind of cool if you think about it. It's a change. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you always see when you're in these kinds of movies where it's like amid all this chaos and this explosions and stuff, people still find time to bone. It's just like, that's odd. Yeah, right. It's like the least sexy moment of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you just got your ass kicked by the bad guy, or the bad guy escaped, and you're you're kind of licking your wounds, and, and then they fuck. Yeah. Well, that's not the right time to do it. You should be planning on how to stop the bad guy. Right. It's like the paintball, the paintball episode of Community. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They, what do they do it on uh on the table in the study on the table in the study room? Yeah. All this stuff is going on, and they still somehow find that they find the time to do it. Yeah. It's a fun movie. If you like the 90s action movies, this is this is one to check out. I feel like it doesn't not get talked about a lot. It's one that I would have definitely watched a few more times if I owned it on VHS as a as a as a child. But yeah, it it had everything that makes me like John Woo movies minus the doves. Okay. Um, in it, you know, lots of explosions, yeah. um, diving, slow motion, gunfighting, and the storyline was enough straightforward that it didn't get confusing or need you to do too many leaps of logic which, which is always appreciated at least my watching of, of action movies it either has to be like this is very straightforward or it has to be just insane where i'm like 10 minutes in and go yep yeah, okay i buy in <laughs> uh, yeah i got that i'm good i'm good with this being insane but yeah yeah i'm just glad there wasn't any like stupid twist at the end or something it was very very straightforward good guy gets bad guy you know, saves the day. 
sort of ending. Yeah, I I enjoyed this movie, but I don't need to see it again. I think I've had my fu- I've had my fun and my fill of it, and I accepted for what it was a B tier action '90s movie, and that's okay. Yeah, the world needs those. Definitely. Yeah, there's always there's time and place for the '90s action movie. Absolutely, it's a good time. It's harm. It's harmless. This movie yeah. is harmless. You know, it's there's nothing uh, that said that's wrong. No one is like over sexualized or anything like that. It's just a meat and potatoes action film. Yep, and it's less than two hours long. Gotta love that. Yeah, beautifully done. Well paced. <laughs> it, right, it's well paced. Yeah, very well paced. Travolta choose choose the scenery. He's fun in it. He's not great, but you know he's it's still fun to watch in this. Slater is probably the weakest link. Yeah. But even he doesn't do a terrible job. No. Uh, yeah. It's again harmless. If you like '90s action movies, I'm sure you've seen this, and I I would think that you enjoyed it. I pulled up Samantha Mathis's IMDb, and I love the four movies she's known for, and it's uh you know Pump Up the Volume, obviously. And then uh, Broken Arrow. Then mm-hmm. apparently she's big in American Psycho um, or in that movie um, for something. And then, of course, her star turning role as Princess Daisy in the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> what, a, what a group of four movies to be the first four known for on your IMDb. Right. <laughs> you guys want to plug your shit? For sure. Uh, at Aquino 122 That's my Twitter. Follow our Real Play D&D Twitter at Stranger Amy's. We recently crossed the 1,500 follower threshold, so thank you very much for that. And we will be updating you on our newest campaign, which is uh, set to start pretty soon. Yeah, and speaking of that, we should be doing our first session this weekend, if that changes for any reason. Keep an eye on the Twitter, as Dan mentions, at Stranger Damies, um, if it gets rescheduled or anything. But that'll be over at twitch.tv slash Pod. We are finishing up our character introductions and world introductions to uh, Campaign 2, which uh, will be, you know, whole new characters, whole new world created by myself. And then these guys taking some chances with their characters that I am enjoying. So be sure to... Listen to those interviews. I We just finished the day before this would be our third, which is uh, Jonathan's character and Aunt and Dan here have done theirs already. If you're going to just listen straight through to the podcast, March 3rd is episode one, and then every other week will be an episode with a little extra content filtered in between that. And then we also have the Game Ball podcast, which is so, so graciously letting us use their Twitch channel to do the Stranger Damies sessions. That podcast airs every other Monday. There was an episode this Monday, so feel free to check that out. And yeah, so at Game Ball Pod on all socials. And then we stream on that Twitch channel at least four to five times a week. So just keep an eye out on the uh, Twitter for the exact times. It's usually Wednesday, Thursdays, and then one of the two weekend days along with Monday. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, yes, and this is They Call This a Movie. You can find us on Spreaker just by searching They Call This a Movie. We are also on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Call This a Movie. We will pop right up. This is mainnamey.com. It's our main website, and it's also our social handle. So if you go onto Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just look for the main Damien, and we will pop right up. And we are also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by looking for Geek Vibes Nation. Bunch of great shows. Us, Top Ten with Tia, Kind of Nerdy Girls, Seen and Nerd. Bunch of great shows. If you're into nerdy stuff, surely there's an other show for you. 
We are the main at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, you want to suggest a movie to us, you want to tell us that we suck. Either way, the main at gmail.com is a place to do that. If you can, five star rating on iTunes or any pod catcher that you have would be greatly appreciated. Love those reviews. Five stars helps us out a great deal, helps us get noticed. We would greatly appreciate that. And that's going to wrap this up. This movie has been Broken Arrow, and the director is John Woo. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony DeVecchio telling John Woo, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?